our Father, I just, Lord, I just thank you for, for the journey that this incredible man has walked with you, Father. Lord, I thank you that what people see on the outside, what he shows to the world, what, what people see when they meet him is how he is at home, Father, behind closed doors when no one sees, Lord. And I thank you for his heart. I thank you for the humility with which he carries himself. I thank you for the way in which he mirrors your heart, Lord. And I pray that you would just just give us receptive hearts to hear what he has to share, Lord. And thank you that you have given us a gift in him, Lord. And I pray that you would just open our eyes to see your heart through the words that he speaks. Amen. Thank you, Mother. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we obviously we're diving back into the Ephesians series that we started a while ago. Um, and we've had a, uh, our tour celebration and a couple of other things, and now we're back into it. Um, we're diving back into Ephesians 5. So just a, a quick recap. Um, so it starts off with Paul to the church of Ephesus, which is... A church that is actually very um, full of worship, but it's a lot of other idols and Greek mythology and all that stuff. And um, Paul just brings them back to like, there is one true God, Jesus Christ. Um, and then he speaks about how there's, um, there's salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, and then also how we have unity in Christ in that. We have unity through um, Jesus Christ for both the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, and then he gets into, in Ephesians, um, well, that's basically one to, one to three, and then like three to six basically unpacks that and how that actually works out in our lives. And so this is uh, Ephesians 5. Um, I get thrown in the deep end with the wife submit to your husband. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's all good. We'll, we'll do this. But I'm actually excited for this because I think actually there's so much controversy around the scripture and so much like, you know, it's, it's almost like a taboo subject um, in society these days. And um, there's so many negative con- connotations of the scripture in society. But I, I would love to just like bring God's view, God's heart into it because for me it's one of those really beautiful scriptures um, that are like often misunderstood or twisted. And I think if it is viewed in its rightful ways, um, I think that it can be a huge, huge um, benefit to especially married couples, but to anybody just to view marriage and then even the church themselves. So I'm going to dive straight in and read the whole scripture. It's a bunch. It's uh, Ephesians uh, 5 verse 21 all the way to 33. Um, So bear with me through it. But yes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, 
No one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right. So, firstly, I would just like to um, touch on the, the main controversial thing. Wives, submit to your husbands. What is submission? And, like, what submission is not is like a wife allowing her to be like walked all over by her husband. That's not submission. Submission is not being a doormat. Submission is not being like allowed to be like oppressed or abused in a negative way. That is not submission. Okay. Um, The the dictionary um, meaning of it says an action of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. So you'll see in this, submission is a choice from the, the person themselves to submit under that. It's not enforced by the husband. It's, it's a choice from the wife's side, um, which changes a lot. And I think it gets perverted a lot, the scriptures, when the husband sees it as his role to force that submission. And that's where the breakdown comes. Um, it's, not, it's not the husband's... Jesus is telling the wife to do something and the husband to do something. And so it's for the the wife in submission to God to submit to the husband. And it's the husband in submission to God to love the wife. It's not you love me or otherwise you're wrong kind of thing. Right. Um, So yes, it's your choice. And we see this also in scripture, Jesus we can see throughout his ministry, throughout his walk with Christ, how he's, Jesus is depicted as the head, as the husband is, and the wife as the, the church, as the body. Um, and so we can see throughout the scriptures how Jesus lovingly like, teaches the church and shows the church the right ways. And it's always out of a basis of love. There's never like an authority, like you will submit or else kind of thing. Um, even though there is obviously consequences to not submitting, like natural consequences, we know that. Um, but yes, yeah, so in Luke 22, verse 46, the ultimate um, submission to authority, Jesus says, Father, he's in, on the Mount of Gethsemane. God is calling him to die on the cross, the Father God, for the sins of the world. And he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so we see... Jesus still has the opportunity to speak freely to his father, as the wife should be able to speak freely to her husband. And yet, even with that, he he chooses the submission. He chooses to trust the father and go to the cross. Um, The problem is obviously then how that plays out in society. And obviously, with, with it being a broken world, people have baggage and we all have stuff. Even the most beautiful Christians that I've seen, they have stuff. They've got baggage, they've got issues, stuff that's happened in their past. Maybe it was stuff that you did. Maybe it was stuff that was done to you. Either way, there's stuff that affects us. And generally, especially in intimate relationships like marriage, that plays out and those hurts have 
um, have uh, different factors that can like affect the way that you love people or affect the way that you see people or how they are interacting with you. You look at it through the lens of X, Y, Z. And it's so you receive that. Maybe it is even love that you receive wrongly or, or something that's like not supposed to be a hurtful thing. You receive it as hurt because of what's happened in your past. And that's where we need Jesus to come in and like restore those things. And um, often that's with the husband in this situation, husband and wife. That's with a husband, like, lovingly, like, teaching and growing and, and speaking. And, and to be honest, in, in my marriage with Rebecca, it's been, like, one of those things where it's, like, most of the issues is just clear communication. And seeing, seeing the stuff through those wrong lenses and then going, okay, wait a minute. Like, that's not how I meant it. Let's have a discussion around this. Or uh, that, those kind of things where it's, like, just bring clarity because in a marriage, we... We're both loving each other and we're just figuring out how to love each other well and how, how, to, how to love each other in a godly way, um, which is different to the, the worldly way often. Um, because even in the world, we do have um, different areas where we submit in any case. Um, you'll know in business, you submit to your management or your, your boss um, and even to the government, even though sometimes we don't like to pay our taxes um, or we don't like to, like, whatever, stick to the rules of the road and stuff. In those environments, it's like because there are rules based not out of love, it's based on, okay, the understanding is that everybody's not following a Christian, beautiful, um, everybody's going for the same goal. So then there are rules and laws and stuff that are enforced. So if you speed, you can get away with it, but if you get caught, there's, there's punishment. In the same way in business, you can have consequences for like rebelling against your boss or your, or, um, your management, etc. Um, to the point of where you can lose your job or whatever, or even lose in the government, you can lose your freedoms and go to prison and stuff like that. Whereas in a marriage situation, it's based out of love. So it is... Um, it is slightly different. Um, and we see that in 1 John um, 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So we can see that if, if, if we had to like, overlay that same way, that like the worldly way, in our marriage, it's like, you, would do, you wouldn't truly be loving somebody for the sake of loving them. You'd be loving them out of self-preservation because you're under fear of like being punishment. And then there's never real freedom under that. And there's never, you're never ever going to have like a true love where it's like you have that intimate oneness together where you know like you can know all of my baggage and still love me and I can know all of your baggage and you still love me. And there's a beautiful freedom in that where it's like now you know all, all the, the bad in each other and yet you still are loved. And that's where, that's where that like um, complete freedom to just be yourself is. And that's what we want to find with God in our relationship. We know God knows all of our stuffs. Um, and so we need to trust like God's love for us is going to be endless. Um, even though we feel like, oh, I've done this bad thing um, but and so you question whether God, like, if this is this too much for God to not love me? And God's like, 
trying to show in this like it's never it's never that it's like Jesus' salvation is enough thanks <laughs> um, so yeah so at the end of the day it's like if we look at it like a then we must know okay if this is in the scriptures and God is calling us to, to do this then there must be good there must be a reason for this there must be a beautiful godly way that's right and that we we should be following that's not going to be like hurtful or scary for us um, so yeah in the scripture Jesus says Jesus is calling the wives allow your husbands to be responsible for you and that comes down to that trust thing and it's the same we see that in our relationship with God the more that we trust God it, it, in the Bible it's spoken about as faith so now we go like okay I'm going to choose to have faith with God in my finances or whatever that situation is kind of thing for my healing and it's like we have faith, so we trust in God without knowing that it's going to happen. We trust God that it's going to happen because He says that it's going to happen. Um, for me, in my relationship with God, it's like one of those examples is just like in, in my finance is an example where it's like I'm not wealthy by any standards, but it's like through me just going through life um, and like I had some whatever car accidents and some things that happened where it's like it was a financial burden and every single time that I needed like a sort of a big injection or even just through the day-to-day -day, um, of God I found that like every time I had something like oh damn this is gonna be a big expense there was finance available or somebody came through and they like gave me a, a gift and I was like oh dang that was like exactly what I needed and after, after a while, I started noticing, hey, every time that I, I'm struggling financially, it's like God has come through and he's come through and he's come through and he's come through. And eventually now I have a, a very like strong faith in God because I've seen his faithfulness already and I can trust him for the future. And so it's like, yes, God calls us to just trust him in any case. And it's almost like with uh, Thomas where it's like, you didn't see these people trusted that he had come and they hadn't seen but now even with you not trusting like look at the the holes in my hands jesus says to him and then he trusts after he's seen and it's like whether you trust from the beginning or whether you trust from like seeing the the faithfulness of god at the end of the day god is calling you to that faith to that trust okay and so i know in in a in the worldly situation now you you're choosing to trust your spouse and so it can be tough because you like you need time you want time to like almost um like see if they're trustworthy and when we are trustworthy when wives love their uh, yeah when wives love their husbands beautifully and husbands honor their wives and love them beautifully then we build up this trust in each other going like, okay, no, I, I know that you're going to love me. I know that you're going to work things out for, for my best. Um, and then your obviously husbands are called to love their lives. Ugh, love their wives. <laughs> <laughs> Not their own lives. <laughs> love their wives and lay their lives down like Jesus did. To lay your life down for your wife. So what does that mean? It means to like put your selfish desires and, and selfish not even in like, um, like a bad thing, like just to put your own desires as second and put your wife's desires at first, at the most important and prioritize her and prioritize like 
going like, okay, you still want the best for your wife. What is the best for my wife? And I'm choosing not to choose mine, but what I see my wife needs. Um, the problem is like, obviously, if, if a wife is submitting to the husband, if the husband doesn't have love, then that's where it becomes very easy that, to like sort of abuse that, that submission. And so the husband has to work out a place of love for it to work well. <laughs> Lady Liva. Um, so yeah, the husband has to work out a place of love to honor that submission and to, um, to build up that trust. So yeah, obviously then we see that this is the, the, like God is trying to show us in the scripture how the husband and the wife's relationship is the same as Jesus to the church. And we can see throughout the scriptures how Jesus still leads the church well and leads the church strong and still teaches and, and refines and grows the church. But he's always like loving the church deeply and beautifully and doing whatever the church needs because sometimes what we think what what the what the church was doing and thinking they were needing was not actually good or healthy for them and so there was a, a level of correction but it was always out of a place of love um and we can see that like i don't know i think andrew and michelle's leadership of our church is quite similar to that it's this beautiful depiction of um, Jesus in the church, husbands and wives. It's like Andrew leads the church beautifully. And he, if, you, if you know Andrew, you'll see that he never like enforces his, his law on you, basically. Like he will lead the church well, and if there's decisions to be made, he goes to it, goes to God with it, and he trusts what he feels God is saying, and he'll implement that. But it's all, you're always open to speak to Andrew and like discuss stuff with him and hear his heart and and um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing when you have leadership like that that loves a community beautifully and then you can see how it flourishes, how the people in this community are flourishing because it's not an authoritarian way of leading the church. It's a loving way of leading the church. And I think Andrew and Michelle do that so beautifully. Um, and you, you can see the fruit of that. So how does this play out in, um, in our lives? At the bottom, at the end of the day, it's a trust thing. It's a trust in God like we trust in, like as we trust in God, we've got to trust each other. We've got to trust our husbands, trust our wives um, to lead us well. And that trust is going to um, get stronger and stronger as you get to know your spouse and get to know how they are loving you. Um, sorry. Um, the one thing that that I realized with this as well is like Jesus loved the, loves the church despite all its shortfalls, despite all its failings, all of the times that it does fall and rebel and um, basically run away from his ways, 
He never stops loving the church. He never like has a thing of like, okay, now you've done too much. I, I, I'm over this kind of thing. And that's why the, the marriage relationship is so beautiful because it's a covenant relationship. It's a choice that I'm choosing to live this life, the rest of this life with you forever more. And there's never going to be a thing of like, if you go too far, that's too far. And yeah, like, I know that like, if there are abuses and stuff like that, there are like acceptable points where it's like, and that Andrew can deal with. <laughs> where do you draw that line? But, but really, it's like, if we are loving each other well and communicating well and stuff like that, Yes, there is brokenness, and there is brokenness in the world, but it's never too far for Jesus. And it's like, if we are willing to dig deep and, and really like embrace that covenant relationship, that fight for each other, because it's like, if the one person is broken, it's like, usually from my experience, it's like, when there are those abuse things coming out and stuff like that, it's usually out of a place of brokenness or hurt or... Um, something along those lines and so it's like loving each other well is like yes protecting yourself but then also it's like i want if if that's what i'm receiving from somebody or some or seeing that it's like i want to press into that and go like hey there's something broken there's something wrong how can we fix this what do we need to do to fix this um and obviously we need jesus but sometimes we need help outside of ourselves sometimes we need you know, a psychologist or a, a minister to go speak to or Andrew or, you know, somebody with somebody that you trust that you can see has got fruit in their life <laughs> or wisdom. And it's like, go to those people, go to your community. There are people, God will always provide us with, with a way out as somebody that you can go to and speak to or um, help you through these situations. Because I don't want to be naive and say, you know, in the Christian community, everybody's fine. Everybody's, because that's what we end up seeing. Like, oh, everybody's got this happy face. Everybody's lives are amazing. And it's like, no, everybody's got good masks on often. And it's like people go through rough stuff. And I know even in a small community like this, there's probably a lot of like brokenness and hurt and stuff. And it can come out in different ways, um, whether it's like depression or whether it's violence or whatever, whatever way it's coming out that hurts the relationship, it's like, I encourage you, speak to somebody. Yeah. Heal it now. Like, don't wait too long and, you know, 20 years of marriage and, oh, we could have sorted this out in year one kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's like, I'd like us to be a real community where it's like, you don't have to, you know, put all your your stuffs on your sleeve and tell the whole community because that's not healthy either. But it's like find that person that you trust and, uh, and seek the help that you need if you need it. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, everybody has free will. Everybody has a choice to submit and to love. And so God calls us to this amazing calling. And the thing is like when we do this well, it's like almost like a natural fruit you'll see your spouse flourishing. Because that's how God has made us. We forget that God calls us to these things not because it's like, oh, this is a good idea. It's like God knows he's made each one of us. And he's like, I've made, and, and it sounds ridiculous to go, like I've made all men that they will flourish under honor. 
and I and I have made all women that they'll flourish under love, and it's like you go like, how can that be overlaid on every personality, every kind of person that's out there? And I don't know, it's a mystery, but I, I see that, I see that. And it's like, it just helps when you're both on the same page, when you're both following the same will. Um, I see, even with Rebecca, she's a very strong, independent woman. <laughs> she's very capable of doing everything you love, kind of thing. She's, she can flourish in her own right. But I know that if I don't love her well, then there's a breakdown of relationship. And, um, and, you know, in our daily lives, there's so many aspects of it because taking out the trash is loving her well. But also, you know, standing firm and saying, okay, no, I, I really believe God is calling us to do this. We're going to run at this. is also loving her well. Because it's like I've got to trust God as the head to lead me in leading her as well and loving her out of that. And... I know in this day and age with women's rights and all that stuff, you know what, I love the fact that it's like empowering women not to like, be, take abuse and be a doormat, etc., etc. But there is a godly, righteous way of doing this. And that's what I want us to take out of this mostly. It's like, be careful of like rebelling completely the other way against that. And being like, no, I'm going to be a strong, independent woman and I don't need to honor God in this. It's like, no, there is a balance. There is a way to, to, to honor your rights, honor who God has made you, and then also honor your husband or your wife in this. Um, and then in verse 31, it speaks about how we are one flesh. Sorry, I just want to get there. Um, it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And if we look at it like that, if you see your spouse as your one flesh, they are part of your body. The, the, it speaks about the man being the head and the woman being the body. And it's like, how do we, how do we like, not take care of our wives and love them well if we see it as our own body, like if my leg was injured, I would take care of that. I would bandage it up or strap it up or whatever. I'd take care of it because I know it's going to hurt me. It's hurting me as a, as, a, as a whole. So if I don't take care of my body, then it hurts me in any case. And so it's like if I don't also lead well, I'm going to hurt my body. If I don't get my arms and my legs to do what they need to do, then I'm going to walk into furniture and then I'm going to hurt myself right so it's like I know it's a very like childish depiction but it's like that kind of thing it's like lead your lead your your spouse well and honor your spouse well and it'll go well because you are one unit we need to see it see our spouse as one unit together um and like I was saying like the world has very different ways of, like, how marriage... The worldly way um, has very different ways of how marriage should look compared to the Bible. It's so often depicted of, like, you must get your own rights, and it's like, you deserve this, and you deserve that, and you deserve that. And it's like, some of the things, yeah, it's like, it's good to, to not be oppressed 
and stand firm in who you are in Christ. But there is a godly way that leads to freedom. Um, and then there's a, a, a worldly way that can lead to like segregation and oppression. And, and so often you see it in, in marriage relationships where it's like, you know, they are happily married for years and years. But when you actually see it, when you actually take a, a good look at it, it's almost like there's always competition, always fighting, always like, um, it's almost like you're competing against your spouse instead of realizing that you are one and you, you keep competing together for this goal. You're on the same team to run it at this life that's ahead of you. Um, and then, oh, it's like in Matthew 6, verse 21, it's got, it, it comes down to like us trusting, like I said, us trusting God and, and, and what we want for our marriages and our lives. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So it's like, what are you treasuring in your life? What, are you, what, what is your main goal in your life? And in your marriage relationship, what, do you, what are you aiming at? And how are you going to achieve that? Um, how are you going to follow the scriptures and follow God and run at that? Um, and then we see in verse... In verse 20... Uh, sorry... Jesus speaks about washing, washing your, uh, the husbands in, in the process of loving your wives to wash your wife with the word. And it's like so often like husbands forget that leading your wives well, part of it is, is like leading her in a godly way. So like for us, I found like if we spend time together in scripture and in prayer and stuff like that, it really helps our, our relationship. And it, and it puts us on the same page when we're going like, okay, we want this godly principle in our life this way. We're going to look at the scriptures and go and do it this way rather than like me being on my own mission, trying to enforce the thing and my wife is like on a different thing. Not that, <laughs> not that she is like that. But it's like, um, yeah, we want to be on the same page. And so part of that is like we, we so often we want healthy bodies and so we work on the healthy bodies and we want strong minds and so we get educated and this and that. And then it's like we want a, a healthy like spiritual life as well. And so we do that by like stuff like church or prayer on a Wednesday, but also spending time together speaking about God's stuff and, and uh, yeah, figuring out godly ways to, to do this life. And so finally, I would say, it all comes down to trust. And so I would encourage us all, trust God in this. And I know it, it might be like very foreign to the way that you might have lived your life um, to change it to live this way, to love your wives well and to submit to your husbands. Um, it might be tricky to, to change to that because now you're so used to like protecting yourself, for example. Um, but I would encourage you to give it a try. God is in it. God, God wants this for our lives and for our, our marriages. It's like, let us flesh this out with God. Um, and, you know, as it is with the scriptures, there's a lot of scriptures that it's like it's confusing and hard to understand, etc. And it's like, 
call on the Holy Spirit to figure it out with you, with, to figure it out with your spouse. Because I find that there is so much freedom and so much good in this. In our relationship, it's like the more we, the better we communicate, the better we, the better I love Rebecca and the better she honors me, the more our marriage flourishes. And yeah, I'd love to see that in our church, in our community, in our lives. So that is it. Um, so let us pray. We're going to take up communion now as well. Lord God Almighty, we just pray, Lord, that you would renew our hearts, renew our minds. Lord, that you would show us your ways for, for relationships, for marriages, for how to love each other. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you were such an amazing, beautiful example of this. Help us to follow your example in this, how you love the church so beautifully. Lord, help us to walk in these ways and trust you as we trust our spouses and love you as we love our spouses and honor you as we honor our spouses. In Jesus' name, amen. There is also going to be, I believe, What's so beautiful about the fact that we get to take communion every week and we get to um, to thank God for what He's done for us is that, like exactly what Barry was speaking about, it's that God doesn't ask us to do something that He hasn't already done. So exactly like he started with, like Jesus submitted himself to the cross, to the most horrific death for us because he knew that it was for our benefit. And so he was willing to lay down his own will for our benefit. And it's like when we think about this, whether it's submission in a marriage or submitting to like church leadership or even just submitting to people in the church around you who've walked a road and can actually help you. It's not a thing of um, the person telling you what to do. It's a thing of us mirroring what God has already done for us. Jesus has already submitted to God's will and laid down his life for us. And when he calls us to um, bring our will under the authority of somebody else, it's not, he's not asking us to do something he doesn't understand. He knows what it's like to stand there and go, God, not my will, but yours. And none of us are ever going to have to do it um, m in a more difficult way than he had to do. Yeah, so, Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you were willing to submit your will to the fathers for our benefit, Lord. And thank you that we get to remember that every single week, Lord, that we get to, we get to just be the beneficiaries of you submitting your will to the fathers and laying down your life so that we could have freedom in you.
Yeah, well done, Barry. Um, I, I just reminded of three stats when regards to marriage, and um, they were talking about husbands and wives and husbands like and submission and saying like they did a study in America and they basically showed that Christian marriages and non-Christian marriages had almost the same level of like domestic abuse and authoritarianism and it's they were saying okay so there's there's no difference with the Christian marriages but then they they, they did a closer study and they showed that it actually it's like in the Christian circle, they, they divided it up from people that were regular attenders of a church and then people that were Christian by like name only. And the people that were Christian by like name only were far worse than the average like population. Whereas the, the people that were actually regular church attenders um, were far, far better. And they, they looked at it and they, they, they can't necessarily say it's like a, it's a conclusive proof. But there's something about when you're a regular attender, it's not that attending church regularly magically changes you, but there is something of the transformative power that it's actually, if you're regularly attending, it shows there's a change of heart. And, and then the other side is it's like, actually, if, you, if you're grabbing hold of this idea, but you're not actually letting it change your heart, you're getting the language of like leadership, but without the heart of love. And it actually looks worse because then the, the stats are even worse because then you've got the language of like, no, you have to submit, but there isn't the heart of a husband to actually lead and to love and to care. Then there's another one of actually if you're in a, in a bad marriage or in a struggling marriage or in a, like a, a marriage that's filled with conflict where they say, actually, if you push through for the next five years, they've got a stat like anybody that's basically in an unhappy marriage, if you stick in it, for the next five years, generally those marriages turn into happy marriages. Because it's not because it's this mag- magical thing where it's like, hey, we at least push through for another five years. It's like, no, because you're pushing through for five years, you're actually saying, you know what, I'm going to make this work. And by doing that, you realize that that's what marriage is. It's a lifelong commitment to actually say, you know what, together we're going to work out our problems. Because marriage doesn't make the problems. It just highlights the problems. It's like if you didn't realize it, it's like you were sinners before you got married and then you got married. It's like, oh, wow, look, that sin's inside of me. It's like, it's not like suddenly you become this selfish person. It's just like, oh, okay, that, that just highlighted it. Um, and then the last one is actually the divorce statistics. Where the same as the, the abuse, where they showed that the stats in like Christians to non-Christians was exactly the same. But again, the same like disparity like functions where nominal Christians were getting divorced at higher rates than the average population because they were getting married out of obligation and getting married out of duty and they were grabbing hold of, okay, what's the right thing to do? But it's not out of a transformed heart. But those that were regular church attenders were a thousand times more likely to stay married. A thousand times. So it's like, we, we look at it and the, the world t- tries to tell you, it's like, oh, we're all the same, we're all broken. It's like, yes, but there's also the power of God to actually transform us. And living this life really does transform you. And that's what I was reminded of Nicodemus, like meeting Jesus. And he's like, man, how can somebody actually get into heaven? He's like, no, you can't unless you're born again. And it's like, oh, okay, yes, we actually need to be transformed 
in our hearts first, from the inside out. And that's where Rebecca was saying, like, anything that Jesus has asked us to do, he's actually done first. And one of the things he asked us to do is actually get baptized. And he did that first. And today, we've got Stephen and Belinda that are going to get baptized. And I'm going to put him on the spot and ask him to share why. <laughs> so you tell us why you want to get baptized. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while coming. It's been a number of years coming. And <clears throat> there's been a, a transformation in me uh, over the last year or two, I would say. Um, and I mentioned it previously, it comes out of some difficult things that we had to go through. And, and I just realized that, um, you know, God isn't always in the happy houses with white picket fences. Um, you have to go through difficult times and then you really find God. And, and I think uh, individually and as a family, um, that has happened for us. For myself... Um, I had a chat with, with Andrew a week or so ago, and you know, I, I just realized that um, God is amazing, and he's, he's a patient God. He's been knocking at my door for almost half a century, and I've been stubborn, and he's just knocking and, and, and being patient with me, and um, yeah, and, and eventually I, I opened my heart to the Lord, and, and it was amazing. Uh, Said to Andrew, it actually happened outside there one day without anybody noticing or knowing it. There was a special moment there where I decided, this is it, I'm, I'm opening that door. And yeah, it's, it's lovely. Lord, I want to thank you for Stephen and Belinda. Thank you for the the transformation of their, their hearts, their lives. The kids have testified just of the transformation of his heart, of his language, of his messages, even on their family group. Lord, I thank you for such a transformed man, a transformed woman, man and woman of God. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you come in and you redeem the most broken of situations but you can make it as if it was this perfect plan that you redeem it in such a way that we almost we almost wouldn't even want to undo the, the hardship that we've gone through father i pray that you'd continue to do that you'd redeem the situation you'd bring healing you'd bring life you'd bring life where there seems to be death baptism is a picture of us being just laid down an old self just dying and being raised to new life Lord, I thank you that you have died the ultimate death and been raised to the ultimate new life as a picture of this. I pray that you just do something incredibly profound, memorable, monumental in their life today as they go through the waters of baptism. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.